So uh, the government and uh, as a consequence of climate change are necessitating that uh, EV sector grow rapidly in order to uh, accommodate climate change goals. And so you've seen like 20 to 21, you saw 89% growth rate in sales of EVs in the United States. And uh, within the EV sector, there's all kinds of subsectors, batteries, battery manufacturing, charging, charging deployment. Uh, there are other, other aspects of that as well. But uh, you start looking at that and there are any number of startups in that area. Welcome to Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions, where we unabashedly dive into the topics and questions that most startups and entrepreneurs are smart enough not to ask in public. Here's your host with all of the stupid questions, Joseph Hacker. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of No Stupid Questions. Today I'm here with Steve, and Steve, we're talking about electric vehicles, the electric vehicle space, and new mobility, so I'm going to start off with a stupid question right away. What is new mobility? New mobility is a sort of an, a, a category, a lot, somewhat larger category than uh, electric vehicles. And it includes uh, micro mobility, it includes hydrogen, it includes electric vehicles, it includes all of the new experimental things that people are trying to do to adapt to climate change and to, to move the mobility situation forward from you know, what it used to be to, to what it needs to be. So literally, this is reimagining mobility vehicles and, and fuels and, and delivery systems and all of the components that it, that it requires to, to make that happen in a city or, or wherever. Yeah, well, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your program and the, the platform that you have for um, uh, connecting this, this space. Yeah, uh, I was in a... Uh, a workshop a while back and people were talking about autonomous vehicles and and talking about which is another part of new mobility talking about how they were going to solve all the problems of the future and my response to that I'm a transportation engineer I've done transportation systems all over the world my response to that you know AVs are going to solve all our problems was bullshit that's not going to happen uh, and I went down and I, I did a, a slide deck and went through all the numbers and, and looked at what it was and said, here's the story. And you know, that congestion is not gonna get better as, it, as a, strictly as a consequence of introducing autonomous vehicles. And so that brought me into the new mobility space. That's where I started. And then we, you know, the, the, the things have developed around that, uh, electric vehicles, micromobility, hydrogen, all of those things are, are part of that space. And so we started going into that space and, talking to the movers and shakers and what we like to do we, we say we're on the frontiers of new mobility so our our secret sauce our, our 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 formula is talk about the conceptual you know kind of planning this is how it should be out there part but have a guy who's doing a startup to make it tangible you know realizable so people can see oh this is real this is this stuff ha is happening Right, and so we mix those two together, and that's I think unusual. You usually don't get the academic thing and a startup in the same place, right? So now, and as I understand, it, you've got a newsletter, and you also have a monthly show that you kind of like a webinar, uh, and you on your webinar you have different pitch opportunities and pitch decks and presentations, as well as kind of um, panel type discussions with people in the space, and you've got some pretty big names. Um, 
Uh, can you share some of the, the names of the companies that have been on your show? Well, uh, in terms of companies, uh, well, uh, so there's two, two sides to that. So the, on the academic kind of presentation side, we've had World Economic Forum, we've had uh, California Air Resources Board member, uh, we've had University of Virginia, we've had, that, that, so that's the academic side. On the other side, um, let's see, I'm just trying to think who we've had that's been pretty big. We have guys that, that, that are doing on, like uh, national, international demonstration of wireless charging systems. We have uh, a company, uh, we've had uh, a company that does uh, vehicle to grid charging systems. Uh, we've had uh, transit systems. We're gonna have Jacksonville Transit on. They have an autonomous vehicle uh, only. Uh, shuttle system that they've been running for a while on a dedicated right-of-way. Uh, so those are some of the, the people we have. Well, uh, those awesome that you're curating that and bringing that group together. Um, what is the biggest problem, and here's, uh, I'm gonna ask you a lot of stupid questions. What is the biggest problem in the space right now? Um, I think uh, sorting out the, you know, the the technical from the business side of it is one of those things. There's a lot of really cool technical ideas, um, but you got to marry that to, to, to somebody who can execute on a business plan. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, matching people with money is another thing. I think I think in an EV space, uh, the growth rate is going to be so high that 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 uh, can you manufacture. Can you do batteries? Uh, let's see, what else is there? Charging systems, getting all that stuff deployed. Where's the money? You know, are you gonna have a fit between where the people wanna develop charging systems and where the people wanna use charging systems? That's a challenge. Um, batteries uh, is a challenge. Uh, a charging systems and micromobility is, is a challenge because right now you've got, you kind of crowdsource it. You've got guys that are out there, gig economy guys that are out there with their pickup or SUV or whatever and putting the scooters in there and taking them wherever to charge them and that needs to be centralized and to, uh, make sure the carbon footprint is right but um, so there's a lot of different charge uh, opportunities like that though and those problems are all opportunities as well so if, if I understand that correctly too so uh, we've been watching I mean honestly oh, I think one of the first vehicles one of the first motor vehicles outside of the horse-drawn carriage was actually an electric vehicle and uh, then we went gas. acid battery yeah yeah then we went gas and and now we're kind of back into electric uh, yes. and there was a big push in the 80s for electric vehicles uh, and these were battery operated so they were just like stacking batteries on chassis and and calling that electric uh, right. we've gone a long way there's right. been some big um, um, influencers in the space obviously Elon Musk and Tesla there's uh, what's the new the pickup truck company Rivian Rivian and a stupid question here, but um, uh, I believe a lot of vehicle sales are truck, right? The top, uh, yeah, I, it, it, I didn't know this until I got into this space and started looking at all this stuff and, and became sort of wonky about this stuff. But when you look at it, if you look at passenger vehicles, the top three best-selling passenger vehicles are pickup trucks in the United States. So there's the Ford F-150, there's Chevy, I guess it's a Silverado, a 1500 and then and then the ram uh, from dodge and then after that is the toyota rav4 oh wow so so uh uh last year that 89 percent year-on-year growth i was talking about there were no electric pickups in the marketplace right 
and the Chevy Bolt for six months wasn't for sale. So that number might be conservative, actually, which is, if that's true. So the question is, is are those guys going to be able to keep up with all that, pivot to electric and keep up with all that manufacturing? I don't know, you know. Well, and this was why Elon had gone from like the typical Tesla to he was giving that, that, that pickup concept a shot. I kind of botched it on the reveal, but but uh, but that was why he was targeting that, correct? Uh, you know what I think the brilliance of that is is that is that EVs are are an environmentalist's dream, but they're not the average guy's dream. They want something, you know, what, whatever. It's not really their priority, necessarily their priority, especially in the case of pickup trucks. But um, what happened was is that uh, is that by introducing the Cybertruck, Elon Musk, I think, started to capture some of the, if you will, the redneck contingents. He made it sexy. He made the redneck, you know, redneck ownership of, it, of an EV sexy. How, do, how the heck did, so that was brilliant, yeah. I gotta say. And then Ford came along and F-150 sold out. They couldn't, they can't, you know, they've got like 200,000 or more that they've already got uh, uh, accounted for. So um, yeah, that, that's a big thing, uh, you know, th that'll be a big deal when the trucks start coming on the, on the marketplace. So let's talk startup in this space. Um, my understanding is that, uh, you know, this is kind of the Wild West right now. Uh, it, there's, there's a lot of room for opportunity. There's not enough charging stations. There's a lot of kind of um, opportunity for creating new business models. So we're, we have gas stations all across the country, all across the world. Yeah. But we don't have charging stations. We don't, and those charging stations you've got to be there for a while. So it's different right. than a gas station where you pull in, fill up and go. Right. So can you talk a little bit about opportunities and just what you've seen through your show and just the ideas and some of the concepts that have crossed your, your path? So we're going to talk opportunities in the charging sector, right? And what I've seen. So one of the big opportunities I've seen is, is, is software. You know, how do you find a charging station? And, and, and you have to do it in a way that people are, Will actually function in the real world. In the real world, they don't go out driving around saying, "Oh, I want to find a charging station." They say, "I want to go do X," and and uh, in transportation, whatever, a wonk language, it's a derived demand. Transportation is a derived demand. You're going to do something else, and transportation is going to get you there, right? And so, uh, charging is is the same thing. I mean, charging is 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 a derived demand. I want to go to shop at Target. I is there a target with a charging station? I want to go to the movies. Is there a movie with a charging station, right? And I want to go to this movie, you know, not to the one with the charging station. I want to go to the movie I want to go to, not to the one necessarily with the charging station. So matching that up is really the challenge in the software area because there's lots of software out there that will show you where the charging stations are, but there aren't a lot of uh, software systems out there that will sh ask you where you want to go and then match that up with a charging station. Um, uh, let's see, what else? We were talking about charging. Uh, charging stations, you know, where are they located? You know, are they located in the right places? You can either create demand. In other words, Shell has a charging station in uh, central London. They added a Costa coffee shop to it, right? So that's, that's cool. That's institutionalizing waiting. And, and I don't know that institutionalizing waiting in the United States is gonna work. I think you that need sounds to- sounds like, a, like a, a company that had that pit stop type of thing where people, 
fill up their tank, grab a couple of snacks and go. And that and that adding that snack bar thing, that, that vending, that, that food right. concession right. thing, that was an evolution of the gas station. Yes. But uh, it sounds to me like, like Shell was just trying to keep the market. Uh, I don't know that I'm gonna sit at a Shell gas station and drink coffee for, for an, an hour, hour, unless I have to. That's the to. problem, that's the thing. We didn't say that it takes a while to charge a car right now. Yeah. And that's going down and there's all kinds of innovations that are gonna bring that time down. But right now, it takes time to charge your car. And it can take up to an hour to put some serious miles on a uh, uh, range on your car. And, um, and so, you know, do I wanna go someplace and park myself for an hour specifically and drink coffee? Well. You know, uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I guess what I'm saying was saying is, institutionalizing waiting by adding a coffee shop to a to a uh, a charging station. I'm not sure if that works or not. Right. So you know, uh, maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive back into kind of startups and opportunities within that space. Uh, and you've got to meet a lot of different people. Um, I've got to assume on some of this stuff, the runway from an idea to product launch or implementation can be kind of challenging. Uh, there's a lot of innovation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, yeah, I mean, uh, runway on run, technical products is, I don't know, it looks like five years, some of the stuff I see. Um, uh, maybe if you, it depends on how much innovation you're introducing into the system and then you know how much you can work it out while you're doing it but but um, let's see uh, uh, what are we talking about um, well, well I, I, I can think of a, a guy who's who's worked it through he's been doing it for I don't know maybe three four oh man that one was loud yeah <laughs> He's been doing it for maybe uh, three, four years, maybe a little longer, and, and he's in the micro-mobility area. And he's got uh, a portable, concentrated charging system that you put, you know, wherever the, 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 the scooters or, or, or micro-mobility bikes, whatever you're gonna charge are. And, and so he locates those in areas where there's concentrations of, of, of that equipment. Well, he's just got to the point where he's gonna be able to uh, put multiple stations out. He's had a few, uh, you know, out there, and and now he's gonna gonna build out into a, a larger, you know, a more broader distribution system. Maybe in Europe, maybe all over, the, uh, definitely all over the United States. So, uh, you know, that's a fairly common, common runway, I would say. Uh, a battery guys, um, you know, they're trying to introduce innovations. They've got a come up with the innovation, test it on a small level, and then elaborate it in a factory, and then, you know, and maybe grow it into more factories after that. But, but what that typically looks like is, is that they're, they're, they've got a, um, uh, a uh, they've got a, a niche market for it, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, uh, military tanks. I, I'm just making this up. Uh, military tanks, and they say, well, we're gonna start with military tank, and then maybe if we get lucky, or tools, or whatever, maybe if we get lucky, we'll move out into the broader market, somebody, you know, we'll capture some of the auto market, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really the strategy, and it looks like 
the common strategy in batteries. Uh, what else have we got? We've got uh, software, different kinds of software. We already talked about software in a sense. Um, well, and uh, I'll ask a, another stupid question, and this has been kind of relevant as far as, um, you know, uh, electric vehicle, when gas prices are up, people suddenly look for options, you know? But um, your average person can't afford a Tesla. No. Um, so, so, stupid question, you know, we've got some kind of uh, political pressure to go all electric, but does it even make sense at this point for most Americans? Um, well, the first thing that makes sense, because there's so much innovation going on in, in EVs, is to, is to lease, not buy. So that, you know, at the end of three or five or whatever years you've got on your lease, you could trade it in and get the better model, the one with more range, less money, et cetera, et cetera. Battery costs are coming down. That's a, a real big deal in, in the cost of EVs. Um, so right now, though, uh, the prices are actually going up, and there's inflation and, and other things. But, uh, for instance, used Teslas sell for as much as new Teslas in some cases. Wow. Partly because the, you don't get incentives on a used on buying a used vehicle uh, in most places. Some states you, you can, but um, uh, so uh, you know. So so what? Well, I, I've said this for a long time, and I I said it enough times that. I've basically worn out the welcome on the program for saying this, but I, it's it's uh, it's important that we have a vehicle that's let's say the Rav Four, which is the number one selling vehicle. It's about a twenty-nine thousand dollar vehicle. We need a vehicle that's like a Rav Four that sells for twenty-nine thousand dollars. Now, we do have one, which is the Nissan Leaf, which with all the incentives, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you can get for close to that, and again lease it. Um, but uh, there aren't a lot of others that have enough range. That vehicle has about a 240, 250 mile range. And, and uh, so what we really need is a, a vehicle that has a 375 mile range, is $29,000, and charges in 20 minutes. And I mean, uh, to be fair, um, I, I was in elementary school in the 80s, and there was a big push for electric vehicles and, and solar and all this. Um, and it's taken this long to get this far, which is, is pretty fast in the scope of history. But um, but I'd say we still have more room to, to get their cost of goods down and, and develop this a little bit better. Um, I did want to bring up that, so a lot of times people think that um, uh, the automobile just came out of like uh, Henry Ford's just brain and suddenly now we're in the automobile space. Um, the fact is, is that the cities where, where people gathered together in like New York and that sort of thing, when we were using horses, a, a, a byproduct or a kind of an ancillary, a, a causal effect was New York had piles of horse crap everywhere. Right. Um, so they had to come up with an alternative to horses pooping everywhere they used to just shovel that stuff out mm -hmm. and just dump it outside of the city limits and imagine the health public health impacts of that oh the well. stink the, the stink. stink but i mean you know d disease because yeah. you've got flies and flies vectors of different kinds passing disease around yeah so a causal effect so now we're going electric vehicles um and a, a, a stupid question and i know it's it comes up a lot is 
uh, battery disposal. Uh, what, what, who's thinking in terms of, of that waste product? Well, that's a good point. That's a startup area too, is recycling batteries and taking the battery. So what happens is, 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 that, is that when the battery's new, it gets 100% charge. As the battery gets older, the, the amount of charge it will take goes down. And so when it gets to about 60%, then you know, you're kind of done with the battery. What do you do with it then? Well, one of the things you do with it is you take it and you use it for storage, right? You use it for storage. Uh, so you've got a solar array, you, you put the electricity into that former car battery as a storage unit and use that to, to because uh, all, all, most of the renewables are, are uh, you know, the, the solar goes during the day and wind goes when the wind's blowing. And so the deal is, is you got to collect the energy and store it uh, while it's being, you know, when it's being produced. And so that's one of the uses for it. So. And then the, the materials in the battery can be recycled as well. And the cells can be repurposed or, or, or rehabilitated. The, the, the thing that wears batteries down is use, cycles they call it, and then heat uh, on the cells that destroys the cells. Now, uh, as I understand, so originally the first automobile used a, it was like an acid something battery? Lead acid battery. Lead acid battery. And, and a, a concern back then was, what do we do with it afterwards? Turns out, Years later, they've dug them up, and they're still good. That you can still use them to this day. Ninety-eight percent, I think, of, of a lead-acid battery can be recycled. So, a stupid question: Are we are we trying to fix a thing that was already fixed? Well, they didn't have enough uh, long-term storage capacity, and that, which is why they didn't really proliferate, because you that 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 uh, design, battery chemistry, etc., didn't work. Couldn't hold the charge and couldn't give you enough miles, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it was okay for the short term, very quiet and uh, uh, nice in that respect, but it didn't hold, it didn't have enough miles in it, uh, capacity to send the vehicle for miles. And so, uh, you know, automobiles worked out uh, because uh, gas, ICE vehicles, internal combustion engine vehicles uh, became proliferated because they had a solution that, that was a better fit for people's travel patterns. So, stupid question, this one's gonna be tough. Uh, All right. Where's this whole thing going? What do you see, where do you see it going in the next five, 10, 20, 50 years? Um, so, uh, demand right now for electric vehicles is through the roof. You can, I went and tried to, uh, if you try to dr test drive a, a Mustang or you try to test drive a, a Hyundai I Ionic 5, which I just did, I couldn't find one in the Denver area to test drive, okay? Uh, if you order a, a Ford uh, F-150, it's gonna take you a long time to get it. If you order a Tesla, it will take you a long time to get it uh, because demand is, is through the roof. Um, so that bodes well for the future of EVs. Uh, so the question is, I think, oh, so uh, kind of, uh, was your question like, what's the leading edge out there, you know, kind of, yeah, where, where do you see this thing going? Because, uh, I mean, uh, it seems like the pendulum is, yes, we're going electric vehicles. Yes, yeah. we're going uh, new mobility. We're, we're yeah, reinventing right, motorcycles right. and, and right. uh, semi-trucks in this Interesting whole Interesting thing about motorcycles. Motorcycles are not particularly fuel efficient because they aren't, uh, they have, the coefficient of drag is too high because you got the body, human body catching wind or whatever, you know, even with a fairing. 
And so uh, right now, the best motorcycle I, that I, I, the one that I know of, it gets uh, has a range of about 85 to, to 100 miles, which uh, is because of that efficiency, the, the battery efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. So, but motorcycles are evolving. There's a $5,000 motorcycle out there, uh, Saunders, I think is the name of the motorcycle. Beautiful, some beautiful electric motorcycles coming out, but you know, you have to, it's sort of like, five years ago with electric cars you know you got 80 miles of range and it was great but you know it didn't if you wanted to drive to portland you were you, you, uh, you wouldn't take that vehicle for sure yeah talking to the audience what is one thing that you wish that that like people knew and understood about this space um i think i think there's the tension that's going to occur right now is that uh the the space is growing by leaps and bounds, and and there's all kinds of stuff coming, and um, people are interested but worried about, you know, will the thing suit me? And I think the answer is mostly yes, and uh, try it uh, to the extent that you can. See if it works. You can rent a, a Tesla from Hertz. Uh, you can rent electric cars one place or the other. Try that. Uh, there's plenty of rentals in micromobility. Try that, um, and 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 see what happens. And and you know, be open to change, because in order to, to, to meet our climate change goals and air pollution, minimize air pollution, et cetera, et cetera, we need to electrify. And uh, that process is uh, going to require us to go through some change, and so we have to be open to that. Steve, how can people find out more about your intelligent? Uh, vehicle briefs, uh, your your show, your newsletters, and more about you. So uh, you can reach me personally at IV Briefs. That's letter I, letter V, briefs at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, if you type that in, ivbriefs.com, you'll see our website, which has news on it. And uh, if you send me a note and you're qualified, we, we, we like to have people who are in the industry uh, uh, on our, sh uh, you know, as our uh, w participants in the show. Uh, if you're qualified, we'll, we'll put you on the list and that's all it'll take. Well, Steve, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, and those questions were, were not dumb at all. They were great. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions. Uh, if you got anything out of this episode, hit the share button and share it with your friends, let people know about startup startup ecosystem no stupid questions tune in again for more stupid questions well that's it folks that's another episode of no stupid questions in the books if you would like to be a guest on startup ecosystem no stupid questions simply apply at www.joinincrowdpodcast.com backslash no stupid questions one last stupid question. Who do you know that could benefit from this episode? Hit the share button and share this episode with a friend. Or an enemy. Look mom. I made that.